This is the Team Lotus Cares podcast. We connect with business owners and managers to protect your business from cyber attackers while providing business clarity empowered by technology. You can make technology for your business more productive, secure, and simple. Now, here is Maria and Curtis. Here we are, episode 45 of the Team Lotus Cares podcast. You know, it, this is a uh, fun episode, I think. It is. This is... Uh, so we have a great guest coming up in just a moment. Myron Wellick is, um, he, he's a deal maker. He calls himself the Jackhammer and uh, actually has authored the Jackhammer Effect, has a podcast called Jackhammer. And essentially he is a deal maker, but uh, you know he is 69 years old, reinvented himself 16 years ago since then made deals with uh, between Heidi Klum and New Balance, creating a new brand for uh, for them called HKNB. He's done deals with FIFA, Madison Square Gardens, Radio City Music Hall, New England Patriots. But uh, he says he's 69 going on 39. Decided a couple of years ago, prior to 2020, he wanted to get into real estate investing. He has since then brokered $35 million in investment deals in real estate. This is something you really want to listen to because here is somebody that became in a pivotal point of his life and just found a new passion. I mean, I am talking that he is passionate about absolutely everything and he doesn't want to stop. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So we'll have that coming up in just a moment. Uh, Taking a look at the Lotus Management Services or LotusBusinessTech.com blog this week. We've been covering the MGM Resorts hack. And uh, we're now finding out what it cost. $110 million. About $100 million of that was lost in business. The other $10 million was in third-party cleanup and direct costs. So ultimately, it probably worked out for them comparing them to Caesars. So MGM Grand, uh, the MGM Resorts, did not pay the ransom. They recovered the data, recovered systems over several days. On the flip side, Caesars Entertainment did pay the ransom, which was $15 million. So, but I'm sure Caesar had a loss involved that we don't know about as well. Yeah, um, I, I think it's kind of like overwhelming keeping up, you know, with to quantify everything that happened. Um and, you know, they've taken some steps. You in a lot of people say, well, you would think that such a great organization would have some some things in place. But this just goes to show you preparedness for the cybersecurity attacks. So they, it morphs fast, it develops fast. But if you have certain systems in place and you have certain professionals there on standby, you can kind of curate some of this damage. Yes, mitigate it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And you you can never be protected 100%. No, no, not at all. You know, and which is why you hear that phrase over and over and over is, you know, not it's not an if it's when it's going to happen. And then so how prepared are you? You know, it's um, we just heard a statement from, you know, an organization that we were um, assessing. Um, they have some of our services and they decided to, um, opt not to 
do certain services. And I can see that morphing into something like this, of course, on a smaller scale. I wish. Yes. But <laughs> yeah. still, it will be a big deal to that company. Uh, right. It's, yes. it's all relative, you know. So that conversation, again, when you people are saying, I'm a small business, it's not going to happen to me. It's all relative. Yes. You know, it's not like, you know, we're not saying that you're going to get extracted 100 million thousand, you know, 100 million. Right. Extract, we, we could all you. wish we could get extracted for 100 million dollars. <laughs> But seriously, though, it, it company, you know, and what it comes down to is you have to quantify the risk because you can't cover every risk. It's just no. years ago, people used to say, why can't they build cars like they do NASCAR cars? They go 200 miles an hour, roll down the track, and the driver gets out and walks away and waves to the crowd. Yes. Well, because that's a $300,000 car. I'm just totally amazed when that does happen. <laughs> yeah. And you'd have to crawl in through the window. Yep. And they're very uncomfortable extremely uncomfortable. But, hey, you're alive. You're alive, but at what cost? And those are costs that people aren't, that people aren't willing to crawl through the window. So there's also the, the thing, you know, you, that is like, it is a accepted risk. Right. So now we see regulations that when you say that accepted risk is no longer up to you because there is a responsibility that the public needs to be protected. Right. And we're seeing more and more standards. Uh, the Florida cybersecurity standards are now in place. If you're a Florida business, there could be standards for your industry. Yeah. Could be your insurance provider is doing that. But it comes down to the biggest thing is, is you need to know what the risks are. When you get in a car every day, you know what the risks are. Totally agreed. Yes. We're taught that in high school. We know if you don't wear your seatbelt, you're going to meet the steering wheel at 40, 50 miles an hour. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Might meet the windshield if you're lucky, or you may leave the car entirely. But you need to know those. So you know the risk. You put your seatbelt on. You buy the safest car you can afford. You maybe, maybe you buy a newer car. I remember when airbags came out. People upgraded, bought cars with airbags because they wanted that added layer of security. But the problem is you don't know what you don't know in your business. Right, right. And that's where you need an assessment. Yes. And just get a third party to come in, give you an assessment and find out where you are lacking. Right. Then you can begin the journey of tackling it. You don't have to do it all overnight. You don't have to freak out about it. You can just begin lowering your risk in, you know, to bring yourself either into compliance or comfort level or to remain competitive. You know, and, that, and that's just it because not having a, play, a plan in place, not having that um, safety net, you know, is not going to allow you to pivot, you know, to to potentially save those um, your business, um, save your reputation, save your clients' reputation and business. Yeah. You know, so there there's a lot of things. Not to have everybody like walking on eggshells all the time. It's right. just. Getting a plan together, getting that assessment, knowing and then so knowing when to plug in those right solutions to make sure you mitigate something when it happens. If you would like to learn more information about this, there are some great folks to learn from. We've actually gathered those folks together. Yes. November sixteenth, it's Orlando Tech Day, and you can find it at orlandotechday.com. And we're gonna have um Robert Hershevec. A lot of people don't realize that so Robert Hershevec is the nice shark from Shark Tank, one of the originals. But he is also 
for 30 years been a big player, and I mean huge player, in the cybersecurity field. Yes, the, um, his organization actually just, um, well, not just, I would say about a year, maybe a little longer, um, hit a billion dollars. And I think that those expectations were never um, actually projected, or I should say um, anticipated. He's had great success in helping a lot of entrepreneurs out there at an enterprise level. And we are happy to be able to kind of be in you know, in the know. In the company of Robert Hershey. Yeah. I didn't want to see it that way, but okay, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also we have Adam Sire um, joining us. Um, a, lot of, a, a great topic a lot of people want to know more about. He is a co-founder of Siri. Um, so he's going to be talking about AI. What better professional yeah. out there and, you know, expert to talk about AI and how it's affecting us in our small business and mid-business. Um, and also we have Michael McAllowitz, the yeah. pumpkin plan guy. Um, great author, many different books that he's written to help a lot of entrepreneurs out there and small business owners. Um, and so we're looking forward to it. And of course, Curtis and myself, yep. um, you know, we have a passion in um, helping small businesses. Um, we've been doing this since 2000, this, uh, 2012 in this format. Anyways, register. Join us. For those that register, we also have a watch party. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of great food. Um, and you're going to be able to engage and ask questions. And I think there's alcohol as well, right? Yes, yes, there's a happy hour. Yeah, so make sure that you're there we for have a happy, happy hour. hour. Yeah, and we actually have a great sponsor that is joining us. Um, they are going to actually... Um, do a little exercise for us. I'm excited. I don't yep. want to give it away. So you definitely have to come to the watch party to see what's going to happen and um, be around a lot of great folks as well. And it all starts Orlando Tech Day. If you're not in Orlando, you can watch it virtually. Yes. If you can't get out of the office that day, you can watch it virtually. Um, sorry. we, You know, well, if you watch it virtually and you reach out to us, we'll come by your office and buy your drink. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so if you can't get out of the office, you still get a drink on Lotus Management Services. So OrlandoTechDay.com coming up November 16th. No further ado, let's uh, go ahead and uh, have uh, our conversation with Myron Wellick. Looking forward to this. This is a good one. Quite a story. This is a, a comeback from, uh, I, I hate to say the rags to riches story, but it, that's almost what it yeah, reads Yeah, well, like. come back from ashes. It, it's, without exaggeration, you're absolutely right, Curtis. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's Like a phoenix. Yeah, in 2002, when I hit rock bottom, if you don't mind me going on, uh, uh, um, first of all, I would never be talking to you guys because uh, I was way below the computer here, if you know what I mean, mentally and physically and every other way, emotionally. Last thing I'd want to, I had nothing to talk about because I couldn't get much lower than call it a day. So it really, uh, it was 2002 where I hit rock bottom and um, I lost my business of 20 years. And, and, you know, it's one thing to lose a business. People lose businesses all the time, unfortunately. But it, it's not necessarily far from it. There are a lot worse things in life, like health, than losing a business, of course. But like everything bad or like everything good, you, you, you don't know what, how you're going to react until you react. Until it happens. Now, uh, vicarious doesn't do it. So when something hits you, whether it's extremely good or extremely bad, you have no way in hell understanding, you know, especially if it's the first go around, you have no way of knowing it. So I was devastated, not just financially in any way, but emotionally. It hit me. I'm, I'm not, uh, this may sound a little um, ridiculous, but I'm certainly not built for hitting rock bottom. Nobody is, but I'm certainly not. So uh, resiliency and, 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 uh, 
all that kind of stuff was not was not in my vocabulary. And uh, you know, I was going a million miles a minute, building a business from zero to over twenty million for twenty something years. And and, and and anyways, and in time I lost it. So so hitting rock bottom was 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 literally a nightmare. And, and the other nightmare was that it lasted over sixteen years. It wasn't as if it took a year or two or three to come back. Yeah. So uh, part of that reason was I was when you're as you know, if people are not well emotionally, never mind physically. Physically, it's obvious, right? If something is wrong with somebody. Emotionally, you know or you don't know. Sometimes it's obvious, I agree. Sometimes it's not as much. But, but probably uh, nerves or anxiety, all that kind of bad stuff could really cripple you, literally, as, as much as any physical. Trust me, I've been there. You know, I, I would drop to the floor in, in a shower as if you had a heart attack. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Well, maybe my worst enemy, but I really wouldn't wish it on, on anybody the severe anxiety attacks that I had and hitting rock bottom. So that took 16 years out of my life, and that started when I was 49. So you have to keep it in perspective. Had it started when I was 20-something, it would have been a lot, e lot easier, I think, to, to be able to deal with it and a lot more runway to come back. So, and I didn't really bounce back till 68 years old. I repeat, 68 years old, which I, even now I'm saying and I can't believe it. So... And, and I really kept going because uh, one is I, I, I didn't give up, even though, believe me, I, every day I felt like I, ha I wanted to because nothing was happening. After 16 freaking years, nothing was happening. So you get to a point where, um, you know what, maybe it's not going to happen, okay? And I'm, running, and I'm running out of time, literally. I was okay physically, believe it or not, but mentally I was a basket case, to use the cliche. That's an understatement. And... Um, the only thing that saved me were two things, if I could tell anybody. Two things saved me, I think, in retrospect, is, is for some reason I kept going, meaning I, I, I stayed young. By staying young didn't mean that I, I was caught up in the latest videos, uh, YouTube or music. I kept going, you know, the networking events are all attended by people in their 20s and 30s. People in their 70s don't go to network, 99% of them. I mean, I was really the odd one out. I was well accepted, but yeah, that's true. I stood out. Yeah. Which was great. I mean, 99% of them are, are because they're in the beginning of their life, the beginning of their career, you know, and, and it particularly exploded with, with, all, with, all the, with all the WeWorks and the networking groups and 99% and about technology, right? Of course, technology. And I knew nothing about it. I didn't care. But being around them, uh, and, they, you know, and, and I kept going once a month, twice a month. I just kept going for years, actually, not for weeks, not for months, for years, and it took five, six, seven, eight years, and that kind of, when I was there, I, I, I was like ready to take on the world. I was excited. As soon as I walked out, I was again very depressed. Before I went there, I was, I was in bad shape. But being there was like on an emotional holiday, you know, and bringing me back to prior to, to hitting rock bottom. And the other thing that kept me going was love. I know it sounds like a very cliche or, or, or a Humphrey Bogart movie. <laughs> But, but I'm lucky to have my wife, you know, of 30, she's from Brooklyn, New York, and um, she didn't abandon me, you know, and I think a lot of people could have. I, I don't blame her. Well, I do. I don't. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's up, it's up to the person. But she stayed there, and she stuck it out. And even more important, I got, it was so bad. At one point, I was shining shoes at an airport here, and, and you know, people, it's, I don't demean the work. The work is legitimate, honest work. But from where I was, what I was doing, uh, it was not fun, to be honest. It wasn't my life ambition. That's just my thing. Uh, and, and, 
and I would come home, I remember when Valentin's, and, and she treated me like, a, like I was the president of IBM. You know what I mean? There was no, no difference. She respected the fact that I tried. So that was very inspiring. That was unique inspiring. I call that love. So the other two things, so the other thing is, and eventually she also would kick my ass in and say, Marvin, you got to do something. You know, you're giving up, you got to do something with yourself. So she was right. So anyways, eventually, uh, by keep going, by kept going for somehow, and really thought it was, nothing's ever going to change. Uh, one, one networking event, there was a young man in real estate. Again, a young man, 30, 30 something years old. Now remember, I'm 67, 68 at this point. Double his age? Yeah, almost. And, and he was into real estate, starting a real estate company in Montreal, buying off-market apartments, small apartments, and him and his partner. And the, the meeting was not about real estate, guys. Not at all. I never went to a real estate event. Never did real estate in my life. I want that very clear. They were all about tech. So he really, almost someone says like an angel or God, someone sent him there because he had no reason being there. It would be like you going to a, a meeting or a conference which got nothing to do with what you guys do, okay? Uh, let's say, and totally out of your uh, wheelhouse, okay? Why would you be there? Let's say if you don't do cosmetics, why would you go to a cosmetic thing? You probably would not unless you want to entertain yourself. You would never be there. You're going to go to what you do, which makes sense. I don't blame you. Right. So it, it, we, these guys were all in their 30s. Nobody knew anything about real estate. They weren't into real estate. It's complicated. You can't just get it and set it up with, with no money practically, open up an internet. It doesn't work that way in real estate. It's, still, it's kind of like old school in a way. It's still like more or less, you know. Uh, uh, you, need, you, need, you need real money. So anyways, he was there and he was talking about it, but no one really could talk to him. He was like listening. He, he just was curious. There's no reason why he should have been there. I, just, I still don't know why he was there. And it was 8 o'clock at night, had a family, and I befriended him after. And again, I had no real estate experience. And he said to me, um, he said, you want to meet for coffee? So we met for coffee the subsequent week. Of course, I was there an hour earlier, you know, just to make sure, leave it to me. And nowhere else to go anyways. That was the biggest event in 16 years. That's how pathetic that was. And, and he said he needed money, financing to grow. And uh, could I help him? I'd get remunerated to a certain amount, you know. Anyways, I found him $10 million over time. Fortunately, I knew people who had a very serious amount of money, and, and they made a lot of money, hundreds of millions, and they had tax write-offs to do. And they wanted to invest in real estate. The timing was, it was, it was weird. It was almost like a movie you'd watch, and you'd say, well, it's a movie. You know, somebody wrote the script. The script is great. And you walk out, and you say, Oh, I was entertained. It's a movie. But, you know, Curtis, this ain't going to happen in real life. This doesn't happen. But it's a movie. They can do it's that. It's not something that would happen to me. That's what you would say. Yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you guys, it's exactly what happened. Even him meeting me. I mean, if I put in a movie, people would say, what the... I know, but that's why great stories are great stories, because the truth really is stranger to fiction. It, it, things do happen. People embellish, but they get oh, ideas yeah. from somewhere, obviously. That's the great thing about fiction. It does come from somewhere. It doesn't come from nowhere. And, and even the greatest artists, writers. And, and, and so I found him the money, and then, and then eventually uh, he needed help because he was growing and finding him off-market properties because that's a full-time job. You can't do, you know, as you guys know, as you have a business, when you start with just the two of you or one person, you can do everything, even, cl even, even clean the dishes. But when you start to grow and expand, oh, yeah. you don't want to do everything because it's not smart, number one. It's not strategic. It's really stupid. Yep. So you want to delegate you want to prioritize, you want a high level, as you should, as you grow, as you should. So you have to focus where you have to focus to continue the growth and the control and whatever you need to do, you feel, to run your business successfully. So, 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 so he needed help in finding off-market properties. Again, fortunately, that spoke 
to my expertise. I didn't know it. Again, you didn't need real estate. What you needed to be is a jackhammer. They call me a jackhammer. And you know what that machine is? It's a construction machine that people bring on. It's a real machine. When everything else fails, and it, and it keeps plowing away, and it breaks that hole in the cement, guys. I mean, it's a real machine. Using the, it's called the jackhammer. It's known all over the world in any language. It's still known. The man who invented it, I'm not sure why he called it, but it's a metaphor now for someone who doesn't give up, obviously. And it works. And, and that's, that's what the machine yep. does. And it's brought in all the time. And it, it just chips away. Just chips away. Chips away. Exactly. Yep. And, and it's mainly as for construction purposes, basically. You know, people that build roads or construct all these kinds of things. You'll see them. They use it where everything else is not good enough. It just chips away. Exactly. So he liked that about me. And I, and I was so desperate. I said to him, you know, Joseph, hire me. Pay me X amount of dollars. Hire me. And he said to me, he did me something. He said, Myron, I know you're not going to like this. I don't want, you don't want me to hire you. If I hire you, you're going to be fixed. I don't care if you do millions of money, you'll never get more money. I know you have no money. I know you're desperate. But, but do what your skills let you do. And I bet you'll make a lot more money. He was right, of course. But I didn't see that. Because, you know, when you can't put gas in your car, it's very hard to see that you're going to make a million dollars. It's impossible. I mean, vision, that's not vision. That's being a magician. Okay? Or maybe being a fool. Who knows? Or a combination. And anyways, uh, uh, I said, okay, you're right. I guess, you know, what the hell? Okay, I, I, I couldn't get much lower. It was pretty down and out. So, I mean, I couldn't put gas in my car. Literally, that's how bad it was. And um, almost. And gas wasn't crazy priced then. So, I didn't, today, would be, I'd be happy to ride a bicycle. So, anyways, he, he, I found him seven, eight million dollars worth of properties. And long story short, it's now, what are we now? July 2023. You know, I, in, the, in three years, three and a half years, not longer, guys, I've, I, I found over $40 million worth of properties for investors. I have over 80 investors. I don't work with him anymore uh, because I've expanded since then, and he went his own way, but he got me started. There's no question. He got me focused. He, he opened my eyes to an opportunity, and I'm very good at it, okay? What do I do? I find off-market properties, off-market, because I'm not an agent, uh, which there are quite a few in the greater Montreal area, but every city in North America has them. Chicago, New York, Toronto, every city has them. Orlando must have them. Apartment buildings and industrial properties are very hot right now. People are building warehousing and, and all, are buying warehousing, you know, because of the Amazon and because of all the online. It's extremely strong in the real estate business. I love real estate, it turns out. I have no experience, but I love it because you don't make anything, you starve until you make a deal. But if you make a deal, you can make more money in one deal or two deals than most people make in the years. Okay? So I love it. I'm very good at what I do. So I've built a reputation now you know, with agents. And, because the also good thing about real estate is that real estate agents, nobody gets paid until a deal is done. There is no weekly or two weekly. Yeah. There is no such thing. Okay? So you starve <laughs> unless you generate. You starve, freaking starve. So every, in a sense, remember... All the, all the agents are your sales force, and the investors pay me. They're your sales force. They want the same thing. You're, if you're an agent, Curtis, or you want to bring me a deal, the investor pays me, not you. So I don't care if you make a million dollars. You get your money. I am not asking you for anything. I don't want to know. Okay? I'm very straight, very transparent. I never double dip, and they all know that. They like that. I'm off the wall. They would never marry me, but they love it because I bring them opportunity. So that's what they do. That's all they care about. And the investor, if he buys it, if she buys it, okay, if, goes to the notary, the, fi the finance exchange, I get paid then, my X percent, whatever it is, okay? That could be, could be sometimes, three, and again, it's not like buying hot dogs here. You, you don't turn properties in a week or two weeks. 
two months, three months, and with real estate and the interest rates now and the financing challenges, a transaction, a small transaction, let alone a big one, a small, I call a million or two million, I'm not talking 10 or 12, could take several months. Okay, a bigger one, like I'm working on 12 million and 20 million I'm working on, it'll take five, six months. But I don't care. I mean, I budget myself accordingly, I'm used to it. And the payoff is you can just do the math, is, is exciting, okay? And I love it. And I love the real estate business. I love it because there's so many things. I love the investors because you're dealing with people you know, who, are, who are not your typical people. You know, you're, you're not corporate at all. Yeah, they, definitely, their brain works differently. <laughs> yeah, they're all wackos, you know? And they're all, and they're all wealthy. <laughs> and they're off the wall. And they're all personalities, but you love doing it. And the agents, too. They're all entrepreneurs. You have to be in a way... Oh, you can't, the good agents are entrepreneurs. So they're my kind of people. You know what I mean? I love that. It's not, you couldn't work for Google or Apple. I hate it. So that's my story. Have you ever heard of the uh, book by Robert Ringer, uh, Winning Through Intimidation? No. So it was written uh, back in 1973. Maria and I, it's been our road trip book lately. We are going to be in the car for an hour or two, go visiting kids or, or even doing some business. It's, we always have a book fired up, ready to go. And so that's the one we're going to right now. He actually, um, and don't misunderstand the title. Intimidation does not mean bullying, but intimidation means being prepared. But he actually was a commercial real estate agent. Everything that you say was true in the 1960s and 70s when he was learning his craft. And, and it's funny, it's, it's not changed all that no. much. Everything you just said. He says in that book as well. No, you know, the technology has kicked in because it's all done online. A lot of it, you can sign online. The paperwork is not paperwork anymore. It's like online. The communication, a lot of it's online. But you got to go to see the property. You got to physically expect it, inspect it. You got to go see the plumbing, the cement, you know, something you did 100 years ago. Not fun. You go into some places, they're a cesspool. I mean, it's not fun the way some people live. But I kind of love it in a way. So a lot of people love it when you paint. You're not painting the computer. You know, it's not hopefully IT. You got it's not paint by numbers. You got to physically go there, do that, or do the bricklaying, and all that's got to be done, Curtis. You know, exactly. So it's it's. I fortunately I can operate from home. When I need to meet people, I meet people. Coffee or yeah, it's not a problem. We call that. But technology has has kicked in in the sense of finding. You know, made it more facilitated, easier to find opportunity properties and all that. But the day-to-day, -day, the hardcore, it still comes to relationships. It comes to people. People want to do business with people they like. I was going to say, I, I bet it still involves a lot of just picking up the telephone. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Yeah. So I know that you've uh, worked with Heidi Klum, yeah. New Balance, connected them. Um, was, that, was, was that some recent work or was that work that you had done earlier in your career? I wouldn't say er much earlier, but I did it about 2012, 2013. And a quick story, because I'm very good at... Oh, okay, so not yeah, too long was, ago. I don't know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I guess. I'm very good at creating yep. strategic partnerships. So, so also, so, which is why, you know, real estate is part of that too. Not completely part of that. But what happened, the company I was working with then uh, had the world license to Heidi Klum. She was still married to Seal at that point, you know, they haven't been, they're still friends, but she's still married to him. Just, she was finishing her pregnancy, her last child, and they're saying, what the hell are we going to do? You know, uh, like, they, they did a Heidi Klum maternity line, which was quite successful, I guess, and they didn't know what to do. 
and uh, she's a very, I mean, she's a very brilliant, talented lady, extremely sharp woman, and and, um, um, and 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 so I came up with the idea. I said, look, you know what? Maybe we could marry it. It was a time when athlete leisure, you know, the Lululemons of the world, and all that was exploding. It still is, of course, and it was through the roof, especially for women. And, and, and more so than men, as I'm sure Mir would know better than me. And then what happened is, um, I said, well, maybe we could tie Heidi Klum, because she was well-known. I think it was before America Got Talent, but she was all over the place still. She was well-known, not just as a model. And, and, and uh, maybe some collaboration with some kind of athlete, athletic company. I didn't call Nike Adidas, because it was, quite frankly, because it was like, you know, Maria was like talking to God. I know that... You know, I'm not going to live that long and talk to them, and they didn't need me. And I did my research, and I saw that New Balance, which is a great shoe, as you know. You know, it's not... We love, that's my favorite tennis shoe. Several of them. There you go. I know. It doesn't have the same sex appeal, probably, and glamour as Nike or Adidas did, because they never went after the Jordans and the sponsorships. They didn't go the same route. So they were still doing then $2.5 billion, which in anybody's world, unless you work, unless you own Nike which does 30 or 40 billion. It's a lot of money, I would say to anybody. And the other big thing about them, they were private. They were not public yet. They still are not. So they were a boys' club, <laughs> I'll do respect, based in Boston, Massachusetts. That's their world headquarters. That's where they're based, okay? They've always been there. They've, it's a 100-year-old company, but it, it was bought by a man, I think as late as the 70s, for 12, 14 million. That's it. And he bought it, didn't buy it for a lot of money. Wow. And, as late as, as late as the 70s, not 1920. It's so crazy. Today, it's, it's a couple of billion dollars, well-deserved. It's a great company, but So I said to, 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 to the owner, I said, Call, tell Heidi Klum, uh, how about she ties up with a running shoe? I mean, it's pretty cool to have a running shoe after, you know, partner with a running shoe company. They sucked at their apparel. Their woman's apparel was terrible. It was, it was a nightmare. They really needed something to push them to. And Heidi Klum could do two things. She can help make something cool, look-wise, and she can accelerate the exposure. You know, <laughs> very cost-effective. You don't spend millions of dollars, because a lot of people knew her, obviously. She started to wear it like any celebrity. Sure. People are going to wear it, okay, which is exactly what happened, as I thought. So, so they, you know, Heidi Klum loved it. They all loved it, except she said one thing. She said to, to the guy I worked with, well, I guess, who does Myron know at uh, New Balance? And he said, nobody. She said, well. Oh. Knows nobody. So how the hell is he going to connect me to the new balance? I mean, they're not exactly uh, 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 the, the corner grocery store, you know. I mean, how the hell is he going to get in there? I mean, they're a boss. He doesn't know anybody there. They're a boss of Massachusetts. Why are they going to talk to him? Okay, she's right, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. What do, I don't think that way. I don't care. There's nobody I can't talk to if I wanted to. So, so uh, I, after a month, and he said, Heidi, if anybody's going to get in touch with them, Myron's going to do it. Let's see what happens. She said, okay, great. Several months later, I connected with them. I finally found the right person in marketing back and forth, but I knew they needed help. I knew. I mean, it would have been stupid business to turn me down. I mean, they're not stupid, okay? They're business people. They're smart. They just didn't know I existed. They didn't know Heidi opportunity existed. They didn't know what they didn't know. And they weren't going to do it on their own, okay? I, 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 had to, I could see that. They didn't know where to go. And by the time they do it on their own, it's like the government. I mean, I can't live that long. Too freaking slow. So what happened is, I don't have the patience. So I said to him, God, you, know, I mean, let's, you have this opportunity. It's good for Heidi. It's a win-win, which you have to make things win-win, which is what we did. So finally they agreed, went down to Boston, back and forth. A year later, created the, and you're still online if you check it out, guys. 
H, K, and B, Heidi Klum, New Balance, Shoes, and Paro, and, and sold the first shot to Amazon back then, okay, and then whatever, then the rest. I also, during the pandemic, I hooked up with Seal by, by action to, to another person in L.A. And Seal, you know, nobody could be in live concert and go anywhere, but he still wanted to get some exposure. And it turned out that his favorite football team, as you know, he's British originally, but he lives in L.A., is the New England Patriots. Big surprise, yep. right? So, so anyways, but he's very knowledgeable. We hooked him up. He, I got in touch with the head of marketing of New England Patriots. They spoke to him. I made the whole thing happen. At the end, he didn't do it because it, the financial was not there. Okay, but we had a Zoom and everything, we, and we're all ready to rock and roll. So I've made you know a couple of interesting, exciting strategic partnerships. That's pretty cool. I mean, that that is the ultimate. I, I probably one of the most compelling stories I've heard of a of a you know coming. Coming back from the ashes, it's yeah. it's absolutely amazing. What, what I'm sure there had to be days that it was really hard to get out of bed. Yeah, I know you, you said your wife was behind you 100. percent That was a big help. Is there anything else that just helped you put your feet on the ground in the morning and and do it again? You're so right. It was. I guess I just wasn't ready to die yet. Be quite blunt. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it's over. Throwing the towel. Yeah, I wasn't ready for it. I guess, and I didn't, I, but, but I have to qualify that. Mentally, I was ready in many ways sometimes. But emotionally, something inside or somewhere inside of me, and I'm not sure why or how, said kept going. I wasn't ready to surrender yet. To kind of roll over, not just play dead, but be dead. Because... I was on different pills, you know, pills you take for anxiety. It was really bad. I wouldn't, it was, it was not good. Not good at all. It's really bad if, if, you, if you are emotionally uh, facing serious challenges, you got to clean that up because you won't be able to do anything. It's going to paralyze you, literally. So you're right, I could not get out of bed. Um, uh, it, it, it's amazing how the simplest task in life become the most difficult task in life. But you have to go through all this. But ironically, in retrospect, I, I, don't, I can't say it was the best thing, but I, I'm not as miserable anymore that it happened because I got a second chance. Uh, uh, and I have a lot to do. The only thing now, of course, as you turn 70, as you guys, you know, we're near it, but as long as my health is good. So I act with a sense of urgency because, you know, if God forbid my health doesn't, not there, I'm screwed. Literally, I can't control. That's the only thing that holds you back. But 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 you you know, because the day will come when you're going to run out of time. The day's going to come. Trust me, it's going to come, whether you like it or not. Sure. You run out of time. Even even great Mr. Bennett died today at six ninety six. Right? What a legend! But he was ninety six. Yeah, he's ninety six. So, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, he's not there anymore. You know, he's ninety six. So he had a great run, but he had a run. That starts and stops. So I just have to take advantage of that, that I'm healthy, as you can see. But more importantly, guys, I have the energy and drive of anybody 20 or 30. But I operate with a, my why is probably more powerful because I operate with it like I'm in an emergency ambulance all the time, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Like I won't go, I won't go standing in, in, 
in the car line, you know, the Starbucks or McDonald's, that these people go and stand, not stand, but they in the drive line, the most insane thing in the world, no disrespect, I don't know how anybody could do that, you know how much time you're wasting, when it's all over, the hours or days or weeks that you could have had in a stupid line waiting for it, it's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life, I don't get it, I once walked up to somebody, they weren't too happy with me, so I'm not doing it again, so... I just think those drive lines, and if I can't go in and buy it, and you know, then right away I'm gone. I'm not waiting. I'm not. I'm not you think I'm going to wait? What? It could be the best thing in the world. I ain't waiting for anybody. I love Starbucks coffee. My favorite. God bless them. So I'm the same way. I I, I stopped for lunch today, and mine was massive. It's up to the drive-through, and I went. I don't think there's anybody inside. Right. I went in. There was one guy in there, and he was just wrapping up his order. I placed my order, and I was back out. Probably before any of those cars even move. That's exactly so, what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can really relate to you there. That's exactly what happens all the time to me. Yeah. And, and if I line up, it's too big inside. I just I delete that. I, you know, I, 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 you know, it's it happens a lot. Starbucks line. There's 20 people ahead of me. You think I'm waiting for 20 people? No, sir. I'm not waiting for 20 people. I'm sorry. Even if I was on vacation, I wouldn't wait for. I don't have the patience. I don't. I don't have much patience, anyways. And my wife will tell you. Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, that's that's a thing I got to work on. I don't. I know someone like that. Yeah, I don't have much patience. No. no. I know someone like that. It's on this call. I, I don't understand what you're saying, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I. Well, Myron, it, this has been an honor to yeah. meet you and hear your story. Absolutely, well, it's very inspiring. Well, it's been an honor, Myron. If somebody wanted to find out more about you what how's the best way to uh, track you down well, online good question well first of all i want to thank you both extremely very much for having me here it's been an honor and opportunity to, to meet you guys finally it really has i i appreciate this so much i can't tell you thank you um as you can see i'm not shy because i believe shyness costs you money uh uh that's a, that's a very important <laughs> question also zig ziglar said skinny uh yeah zig ziglar used to you know say when he was alive that um Timid salespeople have skinny kids. That's right. So I guess, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I'm on Instagram. Where am I? Facebook. And my email, myronwallach23 at gmail.com. Love to hear from anybody. Myronwallach23 at gmail. 23 is my birthday. That's why the number 23. All right. That is Myron Wellick. What an inspiring story. Absolutely. It, it was such a pleasure, you know, hearing him and um, and all the great tidbits that you can pick up. And it says, oh, wow. And and just when you think it's over. Yes. It's not over. And I've known people. I'm impressed. In that age range in the late 50s, early 60s who say, you know, they've hit a roadblock or maybe a, you know, a job change. And they go, I-, I can't go on. But he got up and he went on. And it's absolutely. He said, I'm going to go learn this. And he did it. It's absolutely amazing. So don't forget, coming up November 16th, Orlando Tech Day. OrlandoTechDay.com is where you sign up. And uh, you can enjoy the four-hour virtual uh, get-together. Or we can do it in person at the watch party. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to meeting all of you. Absolutely. That's episode 45, Team Lotus Cares Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Team Lotus Cares Podcast. This is a free service of Lotus Management Services, business clarity empowered by technology. Visit us on the web at lotusbusinesstech.com.